Okay, yesterday was Daf Ayin Beis number 72. Today is Ayin Gimel 73. And I want to have a special in mind for Shlema, for Mati, our friend who uh, had surgery on the shoulder or something. Yeah. If he's listening in, we're thinking of him. I don't know his full name. But anyway, Mati. you know Mati's name? No. Madcha something. Okay. And, um, Mati from Ireland. Mati from what? Ireland. Mati from Ireland. Yeah, that'll go straight up. Is uh, that's the only Mati there? Okay. Halevi. Halevi, right? Halevi, right? All right. And also, I have a mind. Amy Basvora, you didn't sign on yet. Um, and uh, um, Hadas Basronia, and uh, Yehudis Basara, and Rachaleya Basara. All Shavar Fuashlema. And with that, we'll do the review. We're starting a review from uh, the two dots a little ways down on Dafayim Bey's Amr Aleph. Okay? So we, it's a very um, historical thing. Okay? During the 40 years that the Jews were in the desert, so there was, although it sounds like that it was a bad thing that we didn't have this northern north wind which means a wind that comes from the north. However, um, midnight, every midnight, there would be a wind coming in from the north. How do we know? Because the Pasuk says that it was at midnight and Hashem smote all the firstborn Egyptians. So Gemara asks, what does, that have to, what does one have to do with the other? Where do you see from that this? The answer is, is that there's something called an Esraton, a time matters, the uh, 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 opportune time, an appropriate time, auspicious time, and that's exactly what it was. This midnight is known as a very auspicious time, and uh, that's because Hashem is kind of like, is, is in a favorable disposition towards the Jewish people, and that's, um, and that's why we, there's an idea of getting up at midnight to do Tikhan Chatzos, because there's something special about that particular time, that's when David Amelach used to wake up in the middle of the night to start learning Torah right at midnight because he had a, a kinor, he had a special harp that would be situated right in the, where the window was and it would be opened. And uh, as soon as the wind would blow that direction, coming from there, because it always blew at midnight, um, it was, uh, um, that's when he would wake up to sing praises, right? he wrote the Talim, etc., and Torah, so that's the idea. Rebianke, that's what you meant that you get up uh, at night? <laughs> what was the difference? Does that mean that if you close the window, then it would not? Uh, uh, right. <laughs> so, the, the wind, no, it's just the wind would blow on it, and that's how it made the noise. It was like his Almost alarm clock. Anniversary. He woke up at midnight. All right. Um, so um, that, that's uh, the end of that section. The next thing we talked about um, the next section, Rav, uh, Rav Huna uh, said a very interesting halacha, that Minah Torah, if somebody reverses their bris milah, it's called machok, he pulled it back over his, the crown, pulled the foreskin back over. So he's allowed to eat truma because a milah, once done, is done, really. There's no reversing it. However, the rabbis said that Midrabanan, uh, they made Xerah not to eat truma. Um, until you fix it up, because it looks like you're an oral, okay? So the Gemara is like, huh? I don't know. I had this, I had this question. Apparently, they used to be going to the mikvahs uh, that uh, purify themselves on a regular basis. 
So that's why it was something that would be known. People, know, uh-huh. People knew about these things. Okay. Um, that's the only thing I'd come up with. Now why anyway. would someone do this? Like, no, no, no. They did it because there was a, a big deal. It was a big deal. That's what we saw yesterday's death that they were forced. Yeah. That the oh, Romans used to, used oh. to, they, they, uh, Rashi says they would force them to have it reversed. <laughs> it was a big deal. Um, they didn't want anybody looking different. Um, yeah. As part of what the Romans wanted, uniformity. Wasn't the Greeks also? No. Yeah, it was also a big issue by the Greeks, but this is in the times. The the forcing was by the Romans. Mm. Um, um, So that's... uh, um, So the Gemara says, but you're telling me it's only Midorabanon. Didn't we see a source that says Mashoch needs uh, Mila? So the Gemara says, yeah, it says that, but that's uh, only Midorabanon. What was our Havamina? Um, so the, it, it doesn't even use such a strong term. It says Tzorach. The answer is, is that uh, if you look in the Sefer, they were quoting a lot of Psukim reviewed that says that they, not to do Mila. He disagrees. He says, because if you have, uh, you're trying to recut <laughs> in, the, in that area, you could cut too much. It's a big, right, it's dangerous. It's just, you know, okay, what's done is done, you can't fix it. And they told him, what do you mean? In the time of, uh, of Bar Kokhba, they had uh, children, and uh, they, they did, they had, everyone since Bar Kokhba rebelled against the Romans, they uh, were able to have the autonomy to reverse the milas that were forcibly, the reverse, the reverse milas that were done on them, and uh, they had plenty of children, it wasn't a problem. And um, as a pasuk, kimol gimol, even even up to a hundred times, and it says it's bcafar. Point being is, uh, which is including a mashach. So, um, what are the two psukim? One is uh, maybe, in other words, kimol gimol is not conclusive because it may be referring to if uh, you didn't cut enough. So uh, maybe it, there's certain you know comes up over that Torah. So it's ma'ak of the mila. But uh, is The point being is this, is that the, that was why we thought it was Darais, because we were bringing Psukim to that effect. So it sounds like it's a Torah law, and, uh, but really it's not true. It's only with Rabbanon. The Pasuk's only in Asmachta. Okay, took us to the next question, next discussion. We said that a Tumtum cannot eat Ruma, but his wife, wives and slaves can eat Ruma. Um, a person who had reversed Mila and somebody who was born with the Mila um, they can eat truma, and androgynous can eat truma as well, but he can cannot eat kachim. So the question is, and then it finishes off that a tumtum cannot eat neither truma nor kachim. So first thing is, we said mashuk, this is relevant to us, we talked about a, per, or a person who had a reverse milatan, and nolik shumal, they said they can eat. Doesn't that sound like that? that's it? There's no reason to redo it? So Gmar says, uh, so this proof to Rafuna, it's not true that you have to reverse your mila. Um, that's the bottom line. Okay. Now, um, once we quoted this quote over here, we want to understand about the tumtum. The tumtum again is somebody who's has a skin covering over his his makamamila, uh, the place that that area. So you can't even tell if it's a male or female. So it says that a tumtum cannot eat truma, but his wife and slave can eat truma. How can a tumtum have a wife? Who says that this is a a, a girl? It's like unclear usually. Or, I mean, a boy, maybe he's a girl. And then, obviously, he has no ability to marry a woman. Um, a to marry a now, what? Could a tumtum marry a tumtum? Well, no, the point is a tumtum is not uniform. Is. A tumtum yeah. is not uniform. Uh, non-binary, non-binary. It's not, no, it's not. <laughs> it's just unclear. 
So it's it's one or the other. We just don't know which one. So um, so if he did a kedushin, which the halacha is that a tumtum we we choshesh for his kedushin, um, or if he gets a kedushin, we choshesh for that too. That's because we're not sure whether it's male or female, and we're doing that lechumra. But here we're going to go ahead and say that the marriage is such a good marriage that even the wife can eat ruma. How can we say such a thing? So the gemara answers the bai says that there's different levels of tumtum. It depends how much skin is covering that area. Even though his uh, male member is blocked by a layer of skin, you can't see it, but there was at least noticeable that there's testicles. And so you no question that this is definitely a male tumtum. Okay, still no mila possible, but he's definitely a male. So therefore his kedushin is for sure kedushin, and therefore the wife can get, uh, can, can get to eat as well as the slaves. Um, that's the answer according to Abayu. According to Rava, the answer is we're talking about where um, the Nashav here doesn't mean his wives, it means the women in his life, meaning his mom. His mom gets to eat Juma. So the says, why would I think the mom can't eat Juma? Must be a case where the, 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 okay, the Kayan married Bas Yisrael and she gave birth to a Tumtum. What's the problem? Any child that she gives birth from the Kayan enables her to eat, even if the, her husband is not alive be it a boy or a girl. So it's one or the other what's the problem. The answer is, is that it's another, besides for the fact that we don't know what gender the tumtum is, it's not possible to have, a, there's nothing there to have relations with. So they cannot have, bring forth a next generation. So it says in the Pasuk, so there's reason to believe that maybe if somebody who has the power of procreation is what's needed to enable the mom to eat, and uh, this child doesn't have the ability to procreate. That we don't say that 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 that, that doesn't matter. It's not a requirement. Is that is that fixable? Like uh, yes, surgically. Okay, so then yes. he has a possibility, no. But it's not so fixable. It here's what they do. They sometimes they tear it open. Mm-hmm. Then you know what gender it is. But it, okay. in the process, it could basically cause him to not be able to. It could be. Procreate. You procreate because he has a chroshavcha, you understand? So it's not always, a, it's not uh-huh. so simple. Uh-huh. It's not so, right, that's what we, that's what, we, that's what, we, it, it, sometimes you could do a surgery to find out what he is, but then you, you might basically, be, might have, in the risk. process you ruined him, you ruined his ability to procreate either. Uh-huh. So it's not like a given. It's not cosmetic surgery. Right, uh, it's not just cosmetic, right. Anyway. But uh, somebody pointed out, we, we saw earlier that how Avram and Sarah were both tumtums. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's pretty, uh, you know, it's pretty rare thing altogether. Um, so the whole Jewish existence was miraculous on so many counts. Besides for the fact that Avram was sterile, and besides for the fact that Sarah he was, was a tumtum. So Sarah was also an islandist. She was also barren. She didn't even have a uterus. Yeah. And <laughs> all, all the things, is like impossible to have children. She was an islandist. Uh, but uh, so our whole existence is coming from miracles. That's how. That's uh, and if you look throughout the ages, you know, there's uh, there's countless miracles throughout the. It's, it's, uh, that's our history. Okay, interesting. Um, next, we saw is that uh, we quoted the end of the quote, which also said a tumtum cannot eat either trum or kachim. Now, Abaye, I understand why you have to talk about in the seid and the ratio in the seid, because the ratio is talking about where we know for sure that it's male and he's definitely an aro. And the seid is a suffix, so both the vadai aro and the suffix aro cannot eat trum or kachim. That's beautiful. But according to Rafa, 
the, what do we need to say it again? We're not even talking about where it's noticeable in either case. It's a regular tumtum. Why would we need to say it again? The answer is, is that the second one is for an oral, as is when it's, we know that he's an oral. So the Gemara says, if you already said that a suffolk oral cannot eat, because that's a regular tumtum, is a suffolk, whether it's a female, then he's not an oral. But if he's a male, then he's an oral, so then he can eat on, the, on that chance. So, um, uh, so the question is, is that uh, why would we need to say that when he's definitely an oral, you know that he's a type of tumtum that is definitely a male, so he's for sure an oral, then of course he's not going to be able to eat. Why would we need to mention that? So the Gemara explains that it's there as a ma'atam, as to explain why. What's the reason why? Is because we consider him potentially an oral, and that and an oral cannot eat either chum or kach. Bro, so, just a quick question. Yeah. How did, um, if Avraham was a tumtum, then how did he have a breast? Unless... He physically changed? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They, they got, got, the they got better. That was got part better. of the that things. Was, they, ah, they, they started getting okay. healed, yep. whatever. Okay. Um, anyway. So the Gemara asks Akasha, uh, maybe Samachal Gustanam talks about a, a mushroom, somebody who's not capable of having, um, um, uh, you know, reversed their bismillah and a convert that converted, but he already had a circumcision from before. And a katan that, uh, that, that passed the time of the eighth day, and any other people that need a mila, in, to include even somebody who did a mila, but then there was a, a second layer of foreskin, there was a, two layers of skin, and they did one, not the other. So none of those extra milas that are being done can be done except in the day. That's the Tanakhama's opinion. Rebbe says, no, the only one that requires daytime Mila is the original one on the eighth day. That's the one that requires the day. All the rest can be done either day or night. So doesn't it sound like oh, if you hold that mashok is from the Torah, so then you have to do it in the day. If you hold that it's Midrabanan, so then it can be done even at night. So the verse says, obviously, that's not what's going on, because it cut on the past its time. Nobody's going to say, oh, it's only Midrabanan, they have to do it. If you miss the eighth day, you could. Yeah, it's best to do it, but it's not Torah. No way. So that's for sure Midor So obviously, what we're going to say here is Mashal uh, is the Midor Banan, Katan, the person's time is the Raisa. The whole Shaila is, is the Widarshan Ubayom, Ubayom Ashmini. Um, meaning to say that not only here does it have to be in the day, but even in those other scenarios of Mila must be strictly in the day, from the Vav. Um, and we find a similar discussion with Rabbi Yechanan and uh, when he was sitting in Darshaning about Nosar. Nosar is the leftover carbon, and he says the day that, that it was left over, then you have to burn it only in the daytime. But if well, once it's past its day and it's still Nosar, meaning you didn't burn it that day, so then you couldn't even burn it at night or day. Um, and Rabbi Lazar said to Rabbi Yechanan, um, what do you mean? By Mila, it's... Um, only on the eighth day that it has to be in the day. And, um, but if a meal is on the ninth, tenth, eleventh, or twelfth, so then it uh, needs to be done in the day as well, as it says, Ubayom. Now, question, uh, and this is based, you know, how, how, the point being here is, is that sometimes the only time to do Mila is going to be on day nine. That's in a case where um, the baby was born, Beinash Mashos, which is in the time of twilight. So then we can't do Mila on day 8 because uh, maybe it's it was seven. really the next yeah. day. So therefore you have to wait a following day to the ninth day. 
So that's the proper time. So what if that ninth day is Shabbos? You're going to have to wait till Sunday. What if it's uh, Shabbos and then a Yom Tif? So then it's going to have to be um, on Monday. And then if it's Shabbos followed by Rosh Hashanah, so then it's not going to be till Tuesday. So that's going to be day 12. So that's how you cover it to day 9, 10, 11, and 12. Anyway, the point being is, um, so and it, it still always needs to be in the day. So the same thing over here, by no sir, it always should need to be in the day. And even if you don't dash above, you should definitely dash above. Hey, ve'a no sir. So it's extra. So Rabbi Yochanan had no answer to Rabbi Lazar. And then when he left, Rabbi Yochanan was so impressed with Rabbi Lazar's um, text knowledge and uh, drasha knowledge. And he says, I bet he's a lot. Look, he knows, so he's darshaning like Moshe from Harsinai. So, um, Reish Lakish says, Well, he's not saying his own drushes. This is a this is a straight up, um, you know, mem, uh, quote from from uh, from Torah's Kohanim. So, apparently, Rabbi Yochanan was not aware of it. Oh. So, for three days, he learned all of Torah's Kohanim. And then, he, then for three months, he studied to memorize all of Torah's Kohanim and to understand the depth of all of Torah's Kohanim. Bottom line is... Um, Should have been quiet. Yeah, no. So, that's the thing. He, he, made, he realized he needed to learn. Okay. All right. Rabbi Lazar said that an oral that uh, does the spritzing of a paraduma is kosher. And the only... The way we know that is because... A tful yom is somebody whose tummy went to make for that day, and he need, he still can't eat truma, but he's uh, allowed to uh, he's, he's allowed to be involved in the paraduma, so it's kosher for the paraduma. So, um, so um, and he so and so shortly in RL, same thing. Okay, so Gemara says, um, is there a difference because after all, a tful yom is already meiser and a. Uh, a, a person who's an aro is not allowed to eat mice. So the says, who's eating over here? We're talking about touching. And it's a kalvachomer, because a tvulyom, you cannot touch truma. But he's mutter vipara, and aro is mutter to touch truma, he just can't eat truma, because he's not tummy. So surely it should be mutter to, to touch the para. Uh, the para duma, the ashes of the red heifer. So the bryser brings down that an aro that sprink, it says the same thing, he sprinkles, and it's, it's kosher. Story goes that there were mach the or mach is the hazav from an oral. Um, so Gemara brought down the tumtum is the one who activates. The way it works by a, the the paraduma is that you burn the bull after the I mean the cow uh, is a red heifer. They would slaughter it outside the base of mikdash harzaisim. They would sprinkle some blood in the direction of the base of Mingdash. That's all they did. And then they burned everything they had, together with the hyssop grass, etc. Everything's burned. And then there's ashes. Those ashes are gathered together, and um, they're, they're kept. And then whenever they needed and to sprinkle it, it, they would put it together with Mayim Chaim yeah. into a vessel. And that Mayim Chaim, would, meaning spring water, that would be the activated. And then it has the ability on the third day from somebody's Tommy makes, and on the seventh. seventh day, they would sprinkle, and even if one drop hits the person, that purifies them, and they're good to go. So this is the process. Point being, though, um, if Tum uh, Tum did the, key, the the activation of mixing the ashes of the red heifer with the Mayim Chaim, with the spring water, so then um, it's puzzle, because it's a Safik 
and an aral is possible to do to do the kiddush as well as an drug and a drugness is kosher. And Rabbi says no, an drugness is is possible. And the reason why is because an drugness is a question whether that person androgynous person might be a woman, might be halakhically a woman, and she's possible to do the kiddush. Bottom line is we said an aral and a suffolk aral is possible to do the kiddush. So the Gemara says, you're right, but there's two Tanam over here. This, this Tana that holds that is the school of Rabbi Kiva, who we saw earlier, the school of Rabbi Kiva says that when it says Ish-Ish, that's coming to, um, uh, to, to be Marbe the Oral. And that Pasuk of Ish-Ish is talking about all kinds of Tami people, and there's an extra word Ish, so you know it's like the Tami person. So we treat an Oral as a Tami, and that's why we treat the Oral as a Tami over here, and you don't let him be involved in the activation of the of the ashes of the red heifer with the with the spring water. So Rabbi says I was sitting in front of Rav Yosef and I was bothered by this. How is it that you never see a Tana that says puts Aral and equates Aral to a Tami person? Um, and we'll say, oh it's going like Rabbi Kiva. So Gemara says, but we do have a mission that says, by the way, our parak starts off Aral Tami. If you can realize we do put them together. But anyway, but we're talking about in with regards to Toma, it says in Aurel and Toma are both butter from from Riyah. So the says that he is Panim, meaning coming into the base of Migdash um, on the high holidays, that they're Pater from it because they can't walk into the base of Migdash anyway. A Tom person is not allowed to walk in. And an Aurel shouldn't walk in because they're both like they're considered right, not because they're Tommy, not because the Aurel's Tommy. Anyway, bottom line is we saw that this is consistent with Machlokas uh, Tanoi. It says who could do the, the Tanam over here that are arguing with whether a woman can or cannot is totally in this Brisa. The Brisa says everyone could do the Kiddush except for a Cherishat of a Katan. And Rebutah says a Katan could, but an Isha cannot. And an Androgynous um, uh, also cannot. Now what's the Pshad in the Rabbanon? The Rabbanon says, look, it says V'lakhula Tamei. Group, plural, right? Um, and so people who aren't allowed to, it says, but Asaf Ishtar, people who are not allowed to gather the ashes are also not allowed to do the Kiddush. Um, people who are kosher uh, together, they're kosher to do the Kiddush. So that's Chirshvat Shotavakatan. Now, what does Rabbi Yudha say? He says, why does it say, it could have said, Velakach, why does it say, Velakhu? That's the thought that even people who are unfit, for the previous activity, are fit here to, to do the Kiddush. Um, so the Gemara says, um, if that's true, then why, what's the deal with, uh, why not a woman? The answer is, because it says afterwards, Finasan, they put, he puts, it says, Vinasan, singular, only one person can do it, Nasan is Lashon Zachar, so that's why, not Nasna, if it would have said that might be true, but it didn't say it that way. It says then it went to single to vinasan. That's a different story, um, and therefore that's why it excludes women from doing it. Okay, what about the rabbanon? They say if it would say maybe one person takes and the other person puts puts it on, and and and, and uh, it has to be one and one. So that's why it says that it could be multiple people who are gathering or gathering the ashes. And if the puzzle says then maybe it always needs to be at least two people involved. So that's why I'd say switch off between plural and singular to this way. We do not mark it on how many people are involved. Could be two people gathering, could be only one person putting. It's all good. And that is, right, and that's a story. And then we left off that uh, the sprinkle 
the tar sprinkles on the tummy, and this is the why is it when we refer to him as a tar, he's like the beer, the bare minimum tar is sprinkling. What does that mean? A tulyom, because a tulyom is we already refer to him as a tar in some sense, meaning he went to the mikvah already. Says he went into the mikvah and then he says vitaher, but he still can't eat trum until the evening. So anyway, that's a tulyom. Teaches us that a tulyom is kosher in the sprinkling of the ashes of the red heifer, and that is where we left off yesterday. We'll take it from here to today's.